So good to be here this morning. I just, it just feels like such a special crowd of people here all together. It's amazing. So exciting. Um, so my name's James, and God's here this morning. He's really here. <laughs> and I've really been praying for this morning that, God, you would come and put, do something new in our lives and move by your spirit. Has anyone seen, which I know Mary has, she's, she loves this program. It's, a, it's actually a film called My Octopus Teacher. It's on Netflix. Has anyone seen it? It's fairly weird, okay? <laughs> but it's about a man. It's a true story. Of, it's just him like, documenting it with his camera. A man who's burnt out. He's exhausted from working too hard for, for like, his whole working life. And he's sick and not able, just, not able to be a good dad and a good husband. So for a period, he, I think he quits work and he just decides he's going to go back to his childhood roots of snorkeling. So he lives by the beach in South Africa, and every day, even though the water's like eight or nine degrees, can you imagine that? I hate cold water, it's the worst. Eight or nine degrees, he dives in this rough water, one of the roughest seas in the world apparently there, and he swims out and he snorkels. Now, near the start of his time, he bumps into this octopus, and he becomes friends with this octopus, and he becomes falls in love with this octopus, basically. He said it's more intelligent than a cat or a dog, or maybe, maybe even a monkey, <laughs> he thinks. And this octopus is incredible. And every single day for over a year, he goes and visits this octopus. And when he's sleeping and when he's at home, all he's thinking about is this octopus all the time. And he says, he claims that this octopus completely transformed his life. <laughs> okay, now it's quite a sad ending that I won't tell you about, but... Um, it involves some sharks. But um, he, he survives. <laughs> hope, but yeah. There is hope at the end because his life is, he claims, is transformed. Now, I'm sure all of us, if we're honest, need some life transformation. All of us, in some ways. I long, like Andy was saying, to wake up to God more, way more. And seek God way more. I need transformation from t- setting free from some stuff. I need transformation. But I've decided that I th- I'm sure there's an easier way to find it than snorkeling in freezing cold water and <laughs> making friends with an octopus. There is an easier way. And you, can you just imagine if we decided to do a really radical thing? So this man did this for a whole year. Every day. What if each one of us, everyone of us, decided this for a whole year we're going to seek the Lord? My goodness, can you imagine what would happen if every day we were obsessed with seeking God like that man was with this octopus? Even if I can guarantee you, even if we did it for the next week, when we met next Sunday, we would be on fire. There would be people being healed. There would be people being delivered of of things. This place will be totally different. Yeah. And, and that's what God wants to do in our hearts. Starting now, this is now, he wants to do a new thing. And when I was praying yesterday about this, God showed me a picture of, you know those people out in the streets where they give away samples, like free samples of like hot milkshake or something. Like from Shake Away. You know Shake Away? In the spires, it's, such, it's so good. And these people sometimes go around with these trays of free like hot milkshakes and it's so nice and I and I could see I just felt 
God's saying that Jesus was doing that this morning, but with his glory. And he's going around and he, he's just going to give each of us a fresh taste, a new taste of his glory. Um, we can't do that, but he's here. He's going to do it. And you know when those people sell, they give away these things. Their ultimate dream is that you would change your plans. That you would change what you were planning that day. That instead of walking home, you will walk into the cafe or the shop. And you will buy and spend your money. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to change your plans this morning. I'm going to change your plans as individuals and even as a church. I'm going to change your plans to become a person who seeks the Lord. And sees incredible revival in your life and in people around you. That's what the Lord is saying. You know, Jesus said, taste and, sorry, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And Jesus also said, my house, and he was really angry when he said it, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations, for Iranians, for Barnet local people, for everyone. This place is a house of prayer. That's what Jesus says it is. It's a place where people come and they encounter the living God. And that's what God wants to do in us. So let's quickly look. Let's delve into the word of God. Jeremiah 29 that Tom read out. So the context is that God's people were in a really low point. And we know if you've read the whole Bible and if you've looked at church history, God's people go like this. It's like on a graph. It goes like this. When they start seeking God and, and, seek, and finding God, he blesses them. And they are full of power. They're having massive influence, full of blessing. But when they stop seeking God, when they get distracted by other good things, it goes down. They get oppressed by their enemies. It's the same for us today. And God's people in this story were at a really low point. They stopped seeking God. So God had allowed Babylon, the, bad, the, the baddies, to come and grab them, drag them off in chains to Babylon. The Babylonians dragged them off to Babylon. And they were in exile. They were there. It would have been humiliating and distressing. They would have been like, God, why is our faith not working? Why, what is broken about our faith? Why doesn't the world respect you and love you? But it wasn't God's plan to leave them there. And he promised after 70 years, I am going to bring revival. I'm going to come. I'm going to break you out. I'm going to take you home and rebuild your temple and your city. And it, I think it's really helpful for us this morning to, to recognize and John preached about this a few weeks ago, that the church in our nation it is, in some ways has been at a really low point. And maybe you're embarrassed by the church. I am, in some ways. When you hear in the news of things the church is doing and believing and deciding, I feel so just distressed and embarrassed. And often I'm praying, God, where are you in your church in this nation? Why? It feels like you've left your church in this nation. Not totally, we know that. We're seeing God's on the move. But it's helpful to realize we're at a really, or we've been at until now, because we've got to believe God's going to bring revival. We've been at a low point, really low. The church in decline. We're not seeing thousands, like Andy said, people are dying and going to hell. Until that stops, we're in a crisis. Until people stop going to hell, we are in a crisis an emergency, and we need to seek the Lord. 
So at the moment, we're like at the bottom of a graph. But the Lord is saying through this scripture, and I believe he's saying to us this morning, he wants to bring revival, and it is now. And it starts in our hearts. So God is not going to leave us in this state. He is on the move. So that's the first thing. God's people were at an incredibly low point, but God wasn't going to leave them there. The second thing from this story is that God is the God who loves to visit his people. And in my translation, it says, I, after 70 years, I'm going to come and I am going to visit you. And I love that. What does that mean? Because surely God's everywhere all the time. Yeah, it's true. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. But at some points in history, God visits his people. What's the difference between God being there and God visiting us? Well, I suppose the difference is, look, God is here every week. God's in our lives every day. But you know, sometimes God starts moving within us. If you just put the picture of the sailing boat up, what's... So this sailing boat, I love sailing. Now this boat, there's something very dangerous about this picture. I've experienced this where the tide is rushing away and there is no wind. It's scary. I've, I've had to be rescued at least once, maybe more, <laughs> without not having an engine or flares or a radio. It's really bad. That's right, it was when I was a child. I've grown up more now. But... Um, Put the next slide. So what's the difference between this next slide? There's wind. Now, in both pictures, there is air pressing up against the sails. In both pictures, the air is there. In every church, the Holy Spirit is there. Like every Christian, the Holy Spirit is there. But if you go back to the first picture, if we're honest, most Christians, the Holy Spirit is not moving We know he's living in us. He promises, if you're a Christian, the Spirit is living in you. But you you and I could live out every day of our lives until we go to glory without the Spirit once puffing upon us. Yeah, he's there. He's doing great things. He's making our heart beat every second. He's going to take us to glory with him. But I don't want to go to glory without seeing the, if you put the next picture on, without actually seeing transformation in my life. And I... The Lord is saying to us this morning, we are often missing out on so much. Because the Spirit, he says, my Spirit is in you, but would you seek me that I would move? Would you seek me that I would bubble up? You know, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, everyone who believes in me will have rivers of living water flowing out from within them. Rivers. But the problem is, we need to seek the Lord. So God is the God who loves to visit. He loves to visit his people. And what happens when he visits his people is suddenly that the church starts getting hungry, start getting this agony for like, God, I need you in my life. I need you in my nation. That's the beginnings of God visiting his people, this, the wind beginning to blow and move. So there's a big difference between having God in your life and God moving in your life. Which do you want to have? And Jesus is going around with a little sample pot, taster pot this morning, saying, here's a little cup of my glory. Would you just decide you're going to seek me that I would move? The third thing from this story that I want to mention is that when God visits, 
his people, he suddenly pours out a spirit of hunger and prayer upon his people. So verse 12, if you stick verse 12 up, it says, So I will visit you, then, I will, then you will call on me. You will come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. What an amazing invitation. One of the main biggest themes of the Bible, the whole way through, is seek me. Seek me. Seek me. God's saying, seek me. 1 Chronicles 16 says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Proverbs 8, 17. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. And when Jeremiah prophesies this about seeking with all your heart, it's not just a casual, oh yeah, I'll go to church on Sunday, or I'll go to connect group, and I'll maybe read my Bible. He is saying, if you want to see God visit you, if you want to see transformation, you have to seek me. It is, takes focus, it takes dedication, it takes time, it takes energy, effort. Delighting in God, choosing to seek Him. And the Lord is saying to you this morning, will you choose to prioritize seeking me? You know, He has chosen this church to seek Him. We know that there's been so many words from God, prophecies. God's going to pour out His glory in Barnet. And this church is going to be used mightily by God. But it will happen when we get hungry and we seek him. One thing I found really helpful personally for me, it might not work for you, but it's worth trying, definitely, is going on YouTube. You've got to be careful on YouTube, obviously. There's some weird stuff. But type in stories of past revivals, like sometimes from hundreds of years ago, like the Welsh Revival or the Pentecostal Revival in Azusa Street, America. And just watching these stories of God come and visit his people and suddenly hunger comes and they are praying. Sometimes normal people start praying like all night. All they want to do is pray. No one's telling them to pray. They're like, I'm just desperate to pray. (laughs) And then they see God. They always seem to see God move in massive power. Hundreds of thousands, millions of people becoming Christians. People healed, delivered. When they meet in their church meetings, um, Crazy things are happening because the power of God is there. It's not neat and tidy, but God is there in great power. And people are so full of joy and set free and transformed. I love this quote from Leonard Ravenhill. This is, this is quite provocative, but it's really helpful. No man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, but few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many tears, sorry, many fears, but few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. Surely revival delays because prayer decays. So will we seek after him? Will we be hungry? The fourth thing, 
And this is the last thing I want to say, and I would love us to pray and come forward. If you want to receive a fresh touch of hunger, we'd love to pray for you. It's the last thing. God really wants his people to believe his promises. So God said to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah wrote it down, I promise you, if you seek me, I promise you, in 70 years, I will rescue you. I will set you free from Babylon. You'll go back and we'll rebuild Jerusalem together. What a promise. And Daniel was this incredible young man who read this. He read his Bible and he believed it. And I love, I love reading it in Daniel. It, he describes reading it and then it describes his prayer. He read it and he believed it. He knew that if he sought after God, God would rescue his people against all the odds. So if you just put up this little bit of Daniel 9. Daniel said, I, Daniel, I understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So what does he do? He grabs hold of God's promise. He believes it and So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, in sackcloth and ashes. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay. You know, when we read our Bibles, that's what, we need to be like. God has promised he'll pour out his spirit. He's promised. And actually, we have much more amazing promises than Daniel had because we are post-cross, post-resurrection, post-Pentecost, where God has given his spirit. We know now that we are children of God. You have been forgiven. You've been made holy and righteous by God. And at Pentecost, this is the most glorious truth. He has given you and me his Holy Spirit. So even though we may not feel him now blowing, he is there. He is here. If only our eyes could open and we could see the angels in this room, but more than that, the Holy Spirit, we would be struck with awe. And oh God, we pray that you would move, that you would blow upon each one of us, that you would rouse us, put a hunger in our heart to seek you and to find you. And God wants us to believe these promises, that if you seek me, I will bring revival in your life. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We are living post-Pentecost. And Jesus said this in John 4, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. We need to lift up our eyes and look. The fields, they are ready and white for harvest. They are ready and white for harvest. This is Jesus saying, guys, would you lift your eyes up? I'm ready to bring revival now. I'm ready to move in your life now. Now, I want to deliver you now. I want to bring hunger in you now. I just feel this, this is a now word that, yes, sometimes it takes years and we do pray for revival, but there's also always a nowness to God. That in you he want, and me, he wants to bring revival now. He wants to renew us now, baptize us. You know, I long to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, when I was a child, I've been baptized. 
But it wasn't nearly as powerful and dramatic as what I read in history books. It was like maybe 5%. The way I speak in tongues is probably like 5% to what I hear from 100 or 200 years ago in other revivals. I long to be baptized in the Spirit again. So Spirit, would you breathe, would you blow upon us? So Keith, if you could just put the, the last slide, slide up. This just summarizes. For revival to happen in our lives, which revival is just an acceleration, a speeding up of God working, of him growing us, setting us free, discipling us, changing us. We need massive acceleration if we're going to see change to our society. We need massive acceleration. We could work all, all we want our hardest. No, that will not cut it. We need acceleration from the Holy Spirit. How do we see that? Well, we need to be hungry. Hungry for God, seeking after Him, focused and enjoying God. Plus, we need to believe His promises. We could be hungry all we want for, for all our lives, but unless we actually believe He's here, oh God, open my eyes. Let us know that you are here already. God, you're already doing great things. For some of you, you've been called to amazing things like healing the sick. God has anointed you to heal the sick or some of you to prophesy. Do you actually believe that when you lay hands on someone, they're going to get healed? And I think it's great to be hungry. It's vital. But also, God, help me with my unbelief. Help me to believe. Some people here are called to prophesy. Do you believe that when you speak God's words, dead parts of people will come alive? Like, life will come. New things will be created in their hearts and their lives and their families when you speak God's words. Do you believe that? Some people here are called to help the poor. Do you believe that when you help the poor, their lives will be brought out of poverty? Because that's what Jesus promises for you. He promises you his power. So let's hunger and believe. And I would love us to pray right now. And if the band could come up and David, you could just start praying to be in your presence. That would be great and let's just pray together what I'd love us to do is just pray for a bit and if you would like us like a load of us to pray for you just come to the front don't wait around we haven't got time to wait around you need an acceleration in your life if you're honest I need an acceleration in my life let's come to the front be great to have some people some of the leaders or ministry team to come and pray that'd be really great